Hello, and welcome to the Lisa Congdon Sessions, a podcast for creative folks about living and working with more intention, curiosity, and joy. I'm your host, Lisa Congdon. Lisa here. I just want to thank you for supporting my podcast and being a loyal listener. I am so grateful to you. To show my gratitude, I am now offering 15% off at my online store. Visit me at lisacongdon.com to shop colorful archival art prints, stationery, desk accessories, home goods, and more, all at 15% off with code PODCAST15 at checkout. That's right. Get 15% off of all of our products at lisacongdon.com with code podcast15 at checkout. Link to the shop in the show notes. Friends, I'm so excited to share with you my conversation with Ruth Chan. Ruth is an acclaimed children's book illustrator and author, and more recently, she's become known for her comics for adults, which she shares regularly on her Instagram feed. Ruth spent her childhood in Canada, her teens in China, and her early adult years studying art and education in the United States, and then a decade working with youth and families in underserved communities, all before becoming an illustrator and author. Ruth now has 11 children's books under her belt, and in this episode, we talk about how she got into writing and illustrating children's books, which is a really fascinating story. Ruth's first graphic memoir will be released next year, and her personal work, which takes shape mostly in her comics and her upcoming graphic memoir, perfectly mix deep vulnerability and humor. Much of our conversation revolves around our mutual love for storytelling, and how storytelling can heal, educate, and connect us to others. Ruth is a delight, and I hope you enjoy this episode as much as I loved recording it. so wonderful to have you here. I'm a huge fan of your comics. And part of what I love about them is how you so beautifully integrate humor and humanity into really heavy topics like grief and vulnerability and mental illness and shame. You even have a series about diarrhea, which is one of my personal favorites. All of your comics are of the memoir variety, which means they're about you and your family and stories about your life, your past and present, your feelings and your growth. And so I'm excited to chat with you about the power of telling your story. And when we tell our stories and others are there to bear witness, this idea that we are alone in our suffering is sort of exposed as an illusion. And we come to understand that suffering is universal and that it's what connects us. And storytelling also helps others to develop empathy and friendship and connection. And I'm really looking forward to talking to you about your experience with all of this. But before we get started with that, the first question I ask all of my guests 
is tell us the story or the short version of your own story about how you got to do the thing you do now. You are both a comics artist and a children's book author. And, you know, so go back as far as you'd like to talk through all of the things that got you to the work that you do now. Awesome. Well, first of all, I am so excited to be here. Thank you for having me. This is, uh, I've been looking forward to it. It's like the best, uh, like New Year's, something new and exciting. So this is awesome. So to tell a little bit about my journey, I was born in, no. (laughs) So basically, I went to school for education and psychology and art. I, I went to college and I wanted to do art. And I remember my parents being like, you can do art, but you also need to major in something else because it's not practical. And especially being like a child of immigrants, they were like, absolutely not. We need you to have financial stability, something concrete that you can like actually do. And that was fine, you know, and and so I did education. And so coming out of school, I started actually in teaching, mostly elementary and preschool. And then I sort of transitioned into nonprofit community-based nonprofit work, working with youth and family. And that was pretty incredible. I was doing that in Boston and DC and New York. And it was something, you know, when you're in your 20s, you're like, what is my calling? Like, what am I passionate about? And also, how does that intertwine with all of like my talents and my skills? And really, like, I think (laughs) because I came out of school, I was really overthinking that. But, you know, in that work doing after school and summer community programming, it really did feel that way where I was like, yeah, this is like what I love. I wake up every day. I know why I'm going into work. I love the community that we've built, the families that I have relationships with. But with a lot of nonprofit work, there's like a lot of burnout. But actually what really led me to doing what I do now is sort of what we're talking about is like when life sort of throws you a curveball and there's a little bit of suffering and a little bit of questioning. And so basically in 2013, you know, life just sort of fell apart. Like I I was sort of blindsided by the end of this marriage. I lost my job and I had to move out of my apartment. And it sort of became this moment where, you know, like, okay, I've Really, I'm I'm very broken right now. I'm at sort of like this weird pit, but within that pit, there's like a simplicity and a silence that allows me to figure out like, okay, well, what is it that I like really want to do or want to try even, not even do, but just try? And being in education for so many years, I'd read so many, you know, children's picture books, children's books, and it's always something that I've really admired as like an object but never really allowed myself mentally or emotionally to even try, right? Because everyone's like, it's so hard to get into. I don't have any formal illustration background. And, you know, when you're at a certain age, you think life is so linear where it's like, okay, I went to school for this. I'm going to do this job and then I'm going to transition here and keep growing and keep getting better at this. And so to try to rejigger my mind to try something completely new was really scary. But I think in that moment of brokenness, it was like, I don't really care. I'm just going to try it. 
And so I spent like a year and a half building a portfolio, just practicing writing, drawing, researching, learning everything I could about children's books. And very, very fortunately and luckily got into it. And then in terms of making comics, that's definitely been a more recent thing where, and I think we'll talk about it later on, but just a lot of it was my own process of recognizing that like my story matters as much as anybody else's story. And so that's been a whole process that I'm still, you know, working through in a good way, in a joyful way. Yeah. It's so interesting. I also taught first grade for eight years and then went into the nonprofit world and also suffered major burnout and had a crisis and went through a breakup and was like, what am I doing? Yeah. So, and that's sort of like how I began, you know, my freelance art career and not working for somebody else and kind of finding the thing that I wanted to do with my life. So I can relate to so much of what you said. So one question I had while you were telling your story is about kind of your experience as an artist and you had no formal training and you really wanted to make picture books and eventually you started making comics, but picture books were sort of your like entree into the world of illustration. You know, did you draw as a kid? Did you have a regular drawing practice? Like, I think a lot of people listening are probably like, wait, what? (laughs) I mean, it's one thing to learn about the industry and to practice, but did you just sort of start drawing or had you been drawing your whole life? Yeah, that's a good question. And I I feel, you know, even now, a lot of my friends are like, oh, yeah, you know, in art school. And I'm like, we did not go to art school. Me neither. But I mean, I... (laughs) And that's okay. You know, I think that's like the beauty of like what we do is like you can come from anywhere. It doesn't doesn't matter. But I mean, as a kid, I did. I love drawing. I was super into Garfield, obviously, still am. And, you know, in college, I did major in art. I majored in photography. So I think there was like a lot of background in terms of like composition and, and image making. But yeah, in terms of illustration, I think it's just like I've always sort of doodled. And I sort of think about this a lot. And it's like my own insecurities of like, oh, I'll never be able to draw like so-and-so. And and I can never draw like super realistic. But I think it's been a journey for myself as an artist to recognize like, that's okay. Like you do you. This is you have your own style. It is your style. And like, that's what makes it valuable is is sort of like resting and trusting myself within that. So don't ask me to ever draw perspective. Yeah, exactly. And this idea that, and I think I write about this in my book, Find Your Artistic Voice, but it's like a lot of people think that, you know, to have a skill means to be able to render things realistically. And, you know, that is a skill, but like, I argue that skill is actually being able to do what you do consistently over time. And I also think there's this element of audience in there, like clearly how you do what you do works because people consume your work and appreciate your work and the combination of your pictures and your words, while they might not be super realistic or you might not be able to draw things in a certain way, it's your style, it's your voice, and it's resonating for people, which it, which really, in the grand scheme of things, is, is what's important. So we're going to talk a little bit about storytelling today. And you've been a children's book author and illustrator for a few years now, and you've published how many books? 
I think we're up to 11 or 12. And can I just say that's a lot. (laughs) So clearly, you know, you're good at what you do, because I can tell you in the children's book world in particular, if you're not good at what you do, you won't get the second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth, eleventh book deal. So that's awesome. And there's obviously storytelling and I think some autobiographical stuff in your children's books. So talk about sort of how you discovered storytelling as a genre and began to understand that it was something that you wanted to do both maybe in your children's books, but especially in these comics that you release on your Instagram feed. And you have a book, I want to say too, I'm sorry, I also forgot to say that you have a book, you have like a, like a graphic novel coming out soon. So maybe in that, it's not out in the world yet, but like a book of a memoir is coming. Yes, it's, I'm I'm 98.34% done. So it is coming (laughs) at some point. But, you know, it's funny when you had mentioned, you know, we're going to talk about storytelling and, and being a storyteller. And I realized like, oh, it's only recently that I have been able to call myself a storyteller. And I think it's because I had this like unreal, like some arbitrary standard of what a quote unquote storyteller is, right? Like, oh, am I at the moth giving like this amazing story or uh, am I writing these like epic memoirs? And to me, it was, I was like, no, no, no. I just kind of, I'm just like quietly doing what I do, putting my head down. But I think recently I have been able to say like, yes, okay, I am a storyteller. One, again, because I think I was able to acknowledge that it's like, I have stories and these stories matter. Whether or not people connect with them or not, I mean, luckily a lot of them have, but whether or not the fact that I am sharing myself and that those stories have just worth, right? Inherent worth is something that I'm like, okay, yeah, I am a storyteller. And I think there's also something about the idea of storytelling being about, and I'm sure we'll talk about this more of just like sharing, right? And connecting through one's authentic experience. Like, I think there's so much value in the idea being like, whatever storytelling it is, whether it's like your own story or even fiction, there are always truths that go through with that, right? There's so much authenticity, whether it's about an emotion that we all uh, have felt before or an experience or even just like a visual, like, oh, that's the face I make when I'm also confused. Like that kind of stuff, I feel like is what makes me a storyteller. Yeah. I mean, I like used the example earlier of the comic you did on having diarrhea while you were on a hike. And (laughs) it's funny because I think about every comedian that I love, the reason I love them is because they're telling embarrassing stories about themselves, right, in their life. Like, yeah, a lot of comedians make fun of other people, which is also funny. But like, most of the time, comedians, for better or for worse, are sort of self-deprecating. And like, they tell these sort of vulnerable stories couched in humor about something that they struggled with or some embarrassing thing that they did. And the reason it's funny to us is because we can all relate. It's because we've all been there, right? There's the humanity in it. And 
you know, we've all sort of like, not everyone's been on a hike and had diarrhea before, but like, we've all probably experienced a time where we were like doing something in the company of other people where we weren't near a toilet and had to go to the bathroom. Right. And like in the moment, those stories are sort of like horrible and shameful, but then if you can sort of find the humor in them and tell them, like you realize everyone's gone through the same thing. And that's why people, you know, appreciate those kinds of stories. So tell us a little bit more about like how and why you began to integrate your own story into your work. Like, was it sort of this recognition that, I mean, did you sort of start experimenting with that and realize that it was resonating for people? Like, tell us a little bit about how that worked for you, especially the comics that you share on Instagram. Mm. I think the comics that I've been making, I initially started making, especially the ones about my own experiences as a way to process things. And I never really had the idea of like an audience actually reading it. Like that's just a whole added bonus that's, you know, blown up things in in a much richer way than I would have imagined. And I think it started really during early 2021, during all of the hate crimes against the Asian population, especially here in America. And there was just so much that I was suddenly feeling, you know, like a lot of anger, a lot of shame, a lot of fear. And I couldn't quite, you know, usually I journal every day, but for some reason I just couldn't quite articulate what was happening in my brain and in my feelings. And so somehow, I can't even remember how, but I started making comics about them and realizing like, oh, like this is really helping me distill down what are the things that I'm feeling and possibly it's like giving therapy to myself. Right. And I think within making those comics and realizing certain things, it just kind of makes me want to keep doing it. Like (laughs) I just want to, I don't know. It's like, it's a very helpful tool to me. And then again, like I mentioned that added bonus is like, okay, wow, like people are connecting to this stuff too. And it's what you're talking about too with vulnerability, where it's like, if we're able to connect on the most pulpy, vulnerable moments of our lives, whether they're like embarrassing stories or like really traumatic events, that makes not only other people, but also myself feel less lonely, right? Like there is something that is so affirming about shared experiences and acknowledging that with each other. Like there are so many people I don't, know who have responded to some of my comics. And even those are so meaningful to me as well. Yeah. And I I feel like there's this inherent, well, storytelling kind of assumes an audience, right? So you started writing down your story for yourself as a way to sort of work through your own feelings and emotions, which is such a beautiful way to start anything. And I think as a creative, one piece of advice that I often give is like, don't make work for an audience, even if it ends up being for an audience, like make the work that you want to make for yourself first. And so I love that that's how it started for you. How do comics as a genre facilitate your ability to tell your own story? Like you could have chosen sort of a different way to go about it, but like talk about what was interesting to you about comics and this, you know, also inherent in the word comics is this idea of, of comedy, Mm -hmm. which you use. You also in some of your comics are not funny at all. They're sort of heartfelt. So there's not always a sense of comic release. But 
you know, how do comics in general sort of as a genre, like help you tell your story? Like, how does that work for you? I think the the thing that is so wonderful about comics is the accessibility, not just for the readers, but for the creators, right? That there are so many ways that you can present content in comics, whether that be like your drawing style or the amount of text or how many panels, how you use the panels. Like, I think there's just so much room for somebody to work within. And I think that that accessibility was and is very appealing to me in that it's like, oh, okay, I have something to tell. Let me figure out how I'm going to tell it. And I, I mean, I've sort of settled into a sort of structure that works for me, both emotionally and like efficiently. (laughs) And I think about this with picture books too, is like, there's something so beautiful about comics and picture books and in the work that you do and so many other artists do is that interplay between text and image, right? And there's so much that can be said in text, but also there's so much that can be said in the image and the beauty that comes out of things that are not said in the text or the image, but displayed in another way, or even just like the absence of it, having some sort of an impact, I think is like pretty incredible. And I think for me, the comics helped me sort of break down the storytelling. Like I could never stand up and just tell like a 30 minute, you know, like if I were to talk about- Yeah, you mentioned the moth earlier and like like, standing on a stage and like telling a story on the moth. And if you're not familiar with the moth, I'll link to it in the show notes, but like that's not your jam. Comics help you tell your story in this sort of like succinct way and simple way, I imagine. Exactly. Like, could I talk about hiking and having diarrhea in Hawaii for 40 minutes? Like, I mean, maybe, I don't know how interesting that would be. But I think, and in talking about humor, like, and thank you for recognizing that. I think humor is something that I very intentionally build into not just my work, but my life. Like, I think there's just so much joy that comes from humor. Even in the most painful things, there's beautiful and funny things to be found, right? And I think in the comic form, there's so much opportunity for that humor. Like, you know, recently one of my friends was like, man, I just love how you draw a squiggly line for a mouth and it says so much. And I didn't really recognize that until somebody said that to me where it was like, yeah, man, if you just draw a squiggly line the right way, it can make somebody laugh. And that's incredible to me. Yeah. I love that. And that that's just become intuitive to you to like draw facial expressions that mean something to you and to know that they mean something to somebody else. And you're not even necessarily being intentional about it because it's just flowing out of you. I love that. So you are Chinese Canadian. You live in New York now, but you grew up in Canada and you've also lived in China when you were younger. So your identity as Asian is a central theme in your work. And I'm curious about your experience telling your story. You've written before about how in East Asian cultures, you're taught to sort of not rock the boat and that your own story and identity is not the most important thing. So talk about this tug between the individual and the group and anything else in your Asian identity related to your storytelling that maybe was something that you had to work through when you first started. Yeah, I think I'm still (laughs) working through that Uh, a lot. Lifetime, a lot of therapy goes towards this. 
I think, you know, when I was talking about starting the comics during 2021, when there were a lot of the uh, hate crimes against the Asian community, and I was talking about how I wasn't really sure about what these feelings were. And I realized, like, as much as I had always identified as as Asian, an Asian Canadian or Asian who has lived in Asia, I hadn't really fully embraced that. And I think through all of the comics that I made, there were certain things that I realized about, you know, how I see myself as an Asian Canadian slash American, where, you know, there were a lot of like unconscious biases that I had sort of absorbed unknowingly, right? This idea of like always wanting to sort of like integrate into the overall white culture of where I grew up in Canada or having a, a certain amount of shame in how I speak or, or cultural values that I have, or even how I present myself, right? Like, I think there have been times where I'm like, ooh, I look like too Asian, which whatever that means, I don't even know what that meant. But there was like a certain amount of like, I, I mean, I would say shame, right? Where it's like, okay, like this is, I want to be someone else or something different in some way. And I think only recently you know, admittedly, and I'm like 42 now, and only took that long (laughs) for me to figure out like, no, actually, there's so much pride in who I am, right? And not just as like an Asian Canadian slash living in America, but like the unique experiences that I have had in my culture of like, how my parents raised me or living in Hong Kong and in Beijing during my teens, which is such a crazy time in life in general that those are sort of like the things that have made me, you know, what I am and who I am. And I think a lot of Asian Americans kind of grapple with the same things of like, what are the, you know, what are the values? Like, how do you straddle these two cultures? Right. And even for me, that's something that I think about. And I have recently been able to like, talk to my mom about some of these things where it's like, oh, you know, like, yeah, you like the idea of, even just work, like, okay, the, you know, for my parents, it was always like, the important thing is financial stability, right? And being able to provide for your family. Whereas here, you know, growing up and, and like going to college, you're like, you know what, you do what you are passionate about, like your happiness is the most important thing. And there's something even within the idea of happiness being the point of life is something I still struggle with, where I'm like, I actually don't, think that is necessarily true, right? Like life is just not easy. It's not easy for anybody. There is so much brokenness and so much hurt and pain, but it's not just that like, and I've heard this in your other podcast sessions too, where it's like, but out of that pain and that suffering comes really beautiful stuff. And I think that the idea of like beauty is actually more valuable than happiness. But anyway, I'm rambling a little bit, but obviously still working through a lot here. (laughs) No, I love that. Yeah, I love that. But I think the idea of sort of being a quote unquote third culture kid where you're sort of integrating a whole bunch of different cultures and, and trying to figure out for yourself, what are the things that are like most important to you? I think that's just like an ongoing thing that I'm trying to figure out and hopefully trying to figure out through my work too. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I want to get into a little bit this idea of talking about how powerful storytelling can be. So 
maybe you can talk about what are some ways that you've found storytelling to be powerful in your own life. I and mean, you've alluded to a few things, or if you have any examples or stories of how telling your story has had profound consequences for you or for somebody else. Hmm. I think that, and this still blows me away. You know, I, I had mentioned that I started making comics on my Instagram account just for myself. And the fact that me telling my story has connected me to so many people is mind boggling to me. And, you know, like I, I think storytelling does so many things. Like for me, it's helping me process, right? And it's also a way of for me to heal in a way, you know, this past year has been really rough. I lost like one of our closest friends. I had a miscarriage and as creating content based on that for myself to process, but what came out of me telling my own story were so many people relaying back to me, like, Oh my gosh, thank you. Like I, I have been going through this too, or I recently just lost someone or I've had a miscarriage and just, again, that idea of connecting so that we don't feel so alone in all of it, right, is pretty powerful to me and, like, pretty healing. And I think within the healing, for me to make the comic work, there's something so valuable about acknowledging, right? Like, for me, to acknowledge that the death of my friend was very traumatic for me. Those last few days was very traumatic. Or having a miscarriage is a huge emotional, physical loss that I don't need to try to cover up. And I think within acknowledging that through storytelling, one is healing to me, but also again, like the fact that it touches other people in a very like raw, in a good raw way, right? In a good emotional way. It's, I can't even obviously having a hard time articulating just how powerful and how meaningful that is. Yeah. And you were writing a lot and making comics a lot about grief. I mean, obviously, because you, you lost a baby, you lost a friend and grief is something that there's sort of like this weird faux pas in our culture and probably in most cultures in terms of talking about it openly with each other. I don't know if you've listened to Anderson Cooper's new podcast on grief. And I was just like, I also lost two people close to me within nine months of each other in 2020 and 2021. And I didn't know in many ways, like the right way to do grief. And I know that even bigger grief is, you know, on my horizon. My parents are old and, you know, my mom, I'm closer to my mom than probably anyone but my wife. And I, you know, I, I sometimes lay awake at night thinking about what that's going to be like. And one of the things that that podcast did for me is just like, it made me realize how important it is to connect with other people because grief is this universal emotion and people go through it every single day. And your ability to connect with other people and process it is tantamount to you living your life, being present in your life. Right. And, you know, pushing it away or not talking about it can often result in, you know, a lot of sort of like toxic feelings and experiences. And I love what you did was you just sort of like laid bare how you were feeling. Yeah. And, 
other people were like, me too, me too, me too. Um, Brene Brown talks about connection only happens when we are vulnerable and raw, right? And that other people can say, instead of judging, the way to make connection is to say me too, or I, I feel your pain, or I'd never felt, I've never gone through this, but I can only imagine how hard this must be for you. And there's something about that that is so comforting and it's like creates a bubble around you that helps you kind of survive your grief. Yeah, absolutely. Like I think that connecting with others is sort of this way of caring for yourself and loving yourself, right? I I think allowing other people to share in your grief, even if it's obviously like not the same exact experience I think is this lovely way of like showing yourself compassion of being like, yeah, this really sucks. This is so hard. And to be able to sit with other people in that is so valuable. And I think especially there is no formula, right? There is no right way to do grief. There's no timeline. There's no anything. Things come out of nowhere. And to be able to like hold space for however that grief manifests but also being connected to other people within that very disorienting space is like, I mean, it really is life-saving. I think it's incredible. And even, you know, within the past year of sharing my grief with some of my friends, like our friendship has not necessarily changed, but has like grown in so many more dimensions that I couldn't have even understood if it weren't through, you know, sharing through all this pain together. Yeah. Relatedly, there's this idea of kind of owning your experience as valid. Earlier, you said that you began to realize that your story mattered and that you needed to tell it or wanted to tell it and share it. Like it's one thing to write something for yourself as a therapeutic exercise. It's another to post it on your Instagram feed. So talk to me a little bit about what caused you to understand that your story matters? Like, I think that's a thing that a lot of people struggle with. It's one thing to say your story matters, even to other people, but another to say it to yourself and truly believe it. Like, what what was that like for you? And was there something that happened or you experienced that made you realize that it mattered? Yeah, just years of therapy. No, <laughs> I mean, yes. <laughs> that's the answer to everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Everybody go to therapy. I think it has been this very long journey. And I think all of us kind of go through this of acknowledging that, you know, on the most basic human level, we all want to be seen and we all want to be heard, right? We all want to be understood in some way. And there are a bunch of ways that we try to do that, some of them healthy, some of them very unhealthily. And I think, I mean, it sounds like such a stereotype, but it's like, oh, but you can only receive that love once you have figured out how to love yourself, right? But I think that's so true, right? And in saying like, my story matters, it's more than really the story. It's this deeper belief and understanding that it's like, oh, I matter. Like I hold inherent worth just by being here, right? Wherever I am or however I'm feeling or whatever personality I have, whatever I'm working on or not working on, no matter how I'm doing in life, the fact that I exist inherently has worth. And I think doing that work within myself, obviously I have not mastered this, 
but I think it's almost like storytelling is a way for me to practice that truth out. Like it's, there are days where I'm making stuff where I'm like, nobody cares about this. Like this feels like so declarative or like, is this even authentic, whatever. But in the end, if I'm creating something that feels true to me, that is me practicing my own self-worth, right? And then again, you have that added bonus of people responding and connecting to it. Then it's like, oh, that's only, we're only all affirming each other of our worth, right? Like whether you're the storyteller or the receiver of that story, we're all saying like, yes, I feel seen and I feel heard and I am here. Related to that, I wanted to talk a little bit about this idea of sharing your experience as an Asian person, especially in a time when there were a lot of anti-Asian rhetoric and violence. And this idea of humanizing yourself as an Asian person and your own personal experience, because I feel like storytelling also has the power to facilitate understanding and change and empathy in a way that just telling somebody they shouldn't be racist doesn't. Right. And I know you've, you've, you know, a lot of your comics have absolutely nothing to do with that, but many do. And so I'm curious, like, what that's been like for you in terms of sort of putting yourself out there as somebody who has the lived experience of being like a third culture kid, as you said, and kind of like what that's been like for you and the power of kind of owning your experience as an Asian person. Yeah, I think, you know, in doing the comics about being Asian and again, I think that's like practice for myself to sort of like acknowledge and declare like this is who I am and that has worth too. And I'm proud. I'm proud of being Asian. But I think in terms of how storytelling sort of facilitates that understanding of other people understanding that like you don't need to be Asian to understand certain things. And I think that really boils down to, again, this idea of like, okay, we all want to be seen and and we all want to be heard. And once we're able to recognize that, not just of ourselves, of other people, if we are able to step outside of ourselves and say like, yeah, you know what? Like everybody, again, has the right to tell their story and people can choose to listen. And I think that's kind of where the change comes from, where one, I think it's like to own my own storytelling is an act of courage that I think hopefully comes across in like an authentic way. Again, that is like relatable and understandable to people. It doesn't, you don't have to be Asian to understand feelings of shame or feelings of wanting to be someone else or fear, right? Like, I think there's, again, that idea of like something, if it is authentic and shared on the most basic level, then that's what opens up the opportunity for like learning and understanding in like different layers of things, whether that be race or culture or politics or whatever. It's like, we're all distilling ourselves down into these humans of like, okay, we all need and want similar things. Mm -hmm. That's beautiful. On a practical note, the way you tell stories is you've got these comics on Instagram, some of them 
are only about five slides, right? So you're telling a story and sometimes they can, might continue in another post at another time, but you clearly have to edit your stories, right? So I think what a lot of people do is say, I want to tell a story, but it's overwhelming for me to think about how to tell the story because it's a long story or it's a complicated story, right? But in comics, like so much is distilled into these sort of discrete frames. And yet one of the beautiful things about comics or graphic memoirs is like distilling a lot of information into these very simple kind of squares. And so what is the process of getting to the most important nuggets in your story look like for you when you're like, okay, there's this thing that happened to me. How do you translate that into something so simple and yet so powerful? Practice? (laughs) That's a really good question. Yeah, I'm like, I don't know. I mean, one thing that my agent told me a while ago as I was starting my graphic memoir, and I always think about this, is that like, you're not telling your autobiography, right? You don't need to give all of the details, especially in memoir or doing like short personal work is like, what is like the ultimate like theme? What is that nugget that you are trying to convey, whether that's an emotional truth or an experience or something. And so I think with any comic work that I do, I think about that first, right? And usually with me, it's with the feeling, like what is the feeling that I want to convey? Or what is the feeling that I'm even thinking about? Because again, with comics, I, it's so much about processing how I'm feeling about something. And so once I sort of have that theme, I kind of work the story around it. And usually what I do is I write everything out. It's one big, long paragraph. And then you edit, 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 edit out. And I think the beauty of comics, right, is exactly that. It's like, so much can be told in the simplest words. They don't need to be the most poetic. They don't need to be the most beautiful or or whatever. It's You're just giving exactly enough of what you need to convey something. And again, I think there's so much, yeah, there's so much that can be conveyed in the image. And I think that's what the beauty of comics and, and picture books and like artwork that sort of integrates the two is like they're never they're not repeating each other they're not duplicates the text and the image they're both telling the same story but in very different ways i think that's there's like so much opportunity for like dynamic storytelling with that and humor right Mm -hmm. yeah two final questions who are some of your favorite storytellers (laughs) that's such a good question i it's so funny because when you think of that, you, you you always sort of project out to like, oh, who are like the famous people that we know? But actually, I'm thinking about my friends, like one of my friends, Tira Hader, who's also a fellow children's book author and illustrator. I mean, she tells the best stories and I can't even quite articulate why or what the formula is. But, you know, I, I think good storytelling is anyone who can integrate again like authenticity and heart and emotion and humor all in one without like overdoing it like it's such a fine craft and I think the better the storyteller the less you're able to articulate out why exactly they're good storytellers so I keep thinking about like yeah all of my friends who I'm like, am I choosing my friends based on how good they are at storytelling (laughs) you're also friends with Chanel Miller right well, I was going to say, I was like, she is one of my 
favorite storytellers, not just because she's my friend and I love her, but she is like the master of doing that, right? Like integrating like beautiful, concise language with so much humor, so much beauty. And in a way that something I'm trying hard to work on is like, I always in my mind want to wrap things up very beautifully, right? Like, oh, but in the end, this realization or this happens and it's like happy or whatever. And she just does an amazing job of telling a story and letting it be Mm. without like trying to knock us over the head with some moral or some feel good thing. Like she's just like, I got this story and I'm going to tell it and you take it however you want to take it. I think it's brilliant. Yeah. And also, you know, with her much lauded memoir, Mm -hmm which I'll link to in the show notes, also just took the most vulnerable situation one could imagine and shared her story. And it really was life-changing for her, but for the entire universe. <laughs> you know? Absolutely. Talk about an example of the power of storytelling. Yeah. And I think one thing I love so much about Know My Name is that it is like, so it's a very intense story, obviously. But she was able to bring in so many moments of like humor and lightness and these little moments of beauty that like those are the things that I think about when I think about her book more than like the actual awful thing of having to go through a trial and all of that. And I think that's what good storytelling is, right? Is like it it leaves you with certain feelings and moments of like, oh, yeah, that was really beautiful. Like, yeah, that might have been hard or that might have been funny. But in the end, it was like beautiful. Mm-hmm. Last question. What do you say to someone who is yearning to tell their story but is worried about saying too much or being vulnerable? I think beyond even people worrying that they don't have a story to tell, which is also, you know, that's a whole other podcast. let's say someone is like, yeah, I actually think that I do have a story to tell, but they're struggling to express it, whether it's in writing or comics or art, because they're worried about, you know, like sort of exposing themselves as imperfect, or or they're dealing with shame. Like, what do you say to them? Um, Listen to Brene Brown stuff and read her (laughs) stuff. No. (laughs) I mean, that as well. I think that there's something about the fact that we were, we're all imperfect. We all have things that we are ashamed about or carry shame around or things that we're embarrassed about. And again, I mean, it's exactly what you had said. What Brene Brown says is that that's how we connect, right? Is through the vulnerability. And I mean, I think what is helpful to me and I think what was beneficial when I first started making comics was I wasn't making it for other people to read. I was making it for myself, right? Of Again, this act of sort of self-compassion and being like, I'm going to acknowledge things about my experience and just putting that out there, being vulnerable about that without anyone even seeing it. It's like putting it down on paper is vulnerable enough and doing that is an act of self-love for me. And I think that, you know, I think that's helpful to think about is like, you want to tell your story, you're feeling very vulnerable about it, but without even thinking as far of like, who is reading it? It's like, well, how is that affirming to yourself? What you're sharing, how does that affirm yourself and who you are? 
And then you kind of go from there. It's a wild ride. I don't know. <laughs> it is. It is. Ruth, thank you so much for spending the last hour with me and talking about this topic that is so important to both of us and all your wisdom and humor. And I will link to your Instagram and a list of your children's books and all that good stuff in the show notes so people can check you out if they don't already know who you are. Amazing. This was so much fun, Lisa. Thank you so much. I feel like I need to go take notes now based on what we (laughs) talked about. Thank you again for having me. This was great. Thank you. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. Editing of this podcast by the amazing Gabe Garber. Thanks to Nick Lambert for the original music and to my amazing team at the CoLoop Podcast Network. Please subscribe to the Lisa Congdon Sessions on Apple Podcasts. And if you enjoy what you hear, leave me a review. You can follow me on social media at Lisa Congdon and at the Lisa Congdon Sessions. I hope you'll join me for future episodes. Have a magical day, everyone.